It's great to look back, to reflect, to remember the great times and the difficult ones. In the last 10 years, hundreds of lives have been changed. Families have been restored, marriages have been mended, and forgiveness. Forgiveness has been granted. Chains have been broken and true freedom has been experienced. As we remember, we reflect on the loss of those we loved, the joys and the sorrow. We've seen people come and go. Some have lost their way, others have drifted. And all the while, many of us have forgotten why we're here, why we exist, what the Lord requires of us. Reflecting gives us a chance to pause and consider all the Lord has done, all He wants to do. We can learn from our past, remind ourselves of our commitments, and to remember the words of Jesus. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What's up, friends? Hey, we're going to try that all over again. What's up, friends? Hey, can we just give the Lord a hand for His goodness? Well, hey, I'm so uh, glad to be hanging out with you today. And if you are a first-time guest, we're glad that you're hanging out with us. Uh, We want to welcome you. I also want to welcome those that are joining us uh, on our Edgewood campus and those hanging out with us online. Uh, We're glad to have you with us today, and I look forward to our time together. Uh, Today, we are going to have... uh, week five of this series called Remember, as we reflect on not only the things that God has done over the past decade, but as we prepare to move ourselves forward uh, in the next uh, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, uh, we want to just continue to ask the Lord to give us wisdom and guidance in that. And so today we're going to kind of share a little bit about where the Lord's been leading us to and how we've gotten there. Uh, And so for those of you that are a first-time guest or you're just kind of checking us out, today we're going to invite you in uh, to really a family meeting. Uh, The family meeting uh, is oftentimes what you have uh, maybe with your own kids. So at our house, we have back to family meetings quite often, uh, and it kind of can bring several different emotions depending on how the meeting's going to go. So sometimes everybody's kind of at each other, and so we have a family meeting because we're about to lay out some consequences, and we're probably about to remove some screen time because we just see that we're kind of at each other, and and we just need to kind of settle back and, and maybe reflect. And sometimes that's not all that great of a meeting for our kiddos. There's other times where we want to share something and it's a celebration and it's celebratory. And so we, we've been anticipating that and we can't wait to share something with our kids. Other times we're just asking for wisdom, uh, even uh, wanting to kind of get a sign off maybe after our community group has said, hey, um, hey, we think it's wise for you to move forward. Kind of that last um, voice for us is our kiddos, because a lot of times our kids will share some things with us that maybe others won't, and they may have some perspective even at their young age. And so sometimes it's that. But either way, a family meeting always involves us sitting down together and sharing where we're going to move forward. And today, that's exactly what it is. It's a family meeting. And so uh, if you're kind of new to church, uh, this isn't what a weekend always looks like here for us. But uh, today is an opportunity for us just to kind of gather and just share a little bit about where the Lord has us and where he's taking us. And so real quickly, uh, let's pray together uh, and ask God for wisdom and direction and discernment. uh, And then we will uh, dive in. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your grace and your kindness towards us. I thank you, Lord, that uh, while we were yet sinners, uh, Lord, you sent your Son um, 
the Christ for us. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to help us, um, Lord, just to honor you and love you and serve you and be faithful to you uh, in all things. Lord, we thank you um, for your goodness and your grace and your sovereignty in our lives. We ask this all in your wonderful name. Amen. Okay, so here's the deal. Over the uh, last five weeks, we have been uh, just kind of unpacking what the church is. We talked that the church is God's idea. Uh, from there, we talked about that the people uh, are the, the mission and the message of the church, that those who have been called out of darkness and into the wonderful light of Christ are, are the people of God. We are called the ecclesia. We are what the church is about. That the church isn't about buildings and it's not about steeples, but it's about people who've been changed by the God, uh, the God of heaven and earth. And because of our change, uh, we should reflect the difference in our communities and in our workplaces and our families and wherever it is that the Lord takes us. We also talked about a couple of weeks ago that the church is led by Christ primarily. He is the head of the church, and then there is the body. But what you see in the New Testament, there's also leaders in the church. There's leaders who are accountable to God for the local congregation and that will stand one day in in the presence of God, and we'll give an account for all the souls of those who are in that particular congregation. Uh, so last week, we, we kind of dove in a little deeper to that. Who are those leaders? And we determined that the leaders of the local church can be referred to as a variety of different ways. Sometimes you might call them pastors, or uh, we see in the, the New Testament uh, terms like overseers. Uh, we see terms like um, elders, um, shepherds, and so all of those in, in some ways are people that are accountable to God for the leadership of their church. And over the last decade, we uh, have been a, a really a pastor and staff-led church. And so as the church planter, we also have a staff and we've always had a plurality of men who've helped kind of make decisions here. But one of the things that over the last couple of years, we've just felt compelled to really pay attention to was the idea of, of shepherds, overseers, uh, elders for the local body. And so four years ago, we started a study and we took our staff through what w was called biblical eldership. And we began just to, to really dive in and just say, hey, Lord, should we change the structure of our, our church family a little bit in terms of leadership in a way that would help us ben be benefited for the long term, even 10 or 50 years from now? What would it look like? Instead of seeing one guy primarily as the lead pastor, what's it look like if there was a plurality of men that were accountable to God? God. And so we took our staff through that. And then after we all were kind of in agreement where we needed to head, we, uh, we then began to compose a list. And uh, that list um, had around you know 17 to 20 names on it. And then once they kind of narrowed it down, the staff gave me a list of people to contact. And on that list, uh, and there were 17 men that I contacted, and these men met the qualifications that we saw in Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and Titus chapter 1, and 1 Peter chapter uh, 5. And so we've read through those texts the last couple of weeks, but I want to reread uh, re and reorient uh, all of us to 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is where Paul is writing to uh, his beloved son in the faith, a guy named Timothy, and he outlines a handful of things for Timothy regarding the idea of elders, overseers, shepherd elders, those who accountable to God in the flock. Not to be confused with what we would think of as deacons. Deacons are uh, from the word diakonos, uh, which is a servant in the 
the church. We have tons of servants. But the question is, is who should lead it? And so we've kind of settled on it should be shepherd elders that have these type of qualifications. And here's what it says. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. So we know that whoever is in this particular office desires a task that is commended by God and is celebrated among uh, the saints of God. That it is uh, a group of men who are willing to lay their lives down so that the, the flock may flourish. These men will be accountable to God and will give an account to him. Verse 2 says, therefore, an overseer, uh, they must be above reproach. That idea of above reproach means that these men should have great integrity in the community, in their homes, in the workplaces, wherever it is they go, they should be respected. Um, I love the fact that later on, you'll even see that they should be thought of well of outsiders. They should have the type of, of character that you would say, I don't think that they would ever take advantage of me or anyone in the local church. They're not in it for money or greed. Um, they're not... Um, in it for contempt or anything else, they are above reproach. They are also the husband of but one wife. They are sober-minded. They're self-controlled. They're respectable, hospitable, able to teach. When you look at their character, you just see these are men who they love God, serve God, and, and you see their faithfulness to God. Verse 3 says they're not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. So when you see all of these characters, you see um, what they are and then what they're not. And when you look at all of these, a couple of weeks ago, Cody did a great job of helping us understand that all of these are present tense verbs, meaning that in this particular season of their life, they are all of these things. It means that they're a one-woman man. They are sober-minded. They are self-controlled. It means they're not a drunkard. And the question you have to ask yourself, and the one that we really contemplated a lot over the last handful of years, is... Could they have ever been these things? For instance, could you have ever been a drunkard and now you could be walking closely with Christ and that you could now lead the church? And we would say, absolutely. We believe that after marked by faithfulness and changed by the grace of God, that a King David would have been eligible to serve in our church even though he murdered a man and had an affair. Anybody disagree with that? So you think about Moses, you think about Moses murdering an Egyptian, you think about the disobedience in Moses' life, and yet he was charged with the exodus of going to Pharaoh along with his brother Aaron and saying, hey, let my people go. We would say that even though Moses had mistakes in his life, as did Abram, as did Jacob, um, as did all of these others, even though they might have had former trials, that if there was a present tense idea of faithfulness in their lives in that moment. Now, a long tenure of serving God, then we would say, we think that they meet the qualifications. And that's what we believe this text says. We believe that when you look at things like the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, means that doesn't mean that they weren't previously struggling with one of those things, but now we've seen a mark of faithfulness in this area of life in which they are presently serving the Lord and have been doing so for a long period of time. Verse 4 would even say that this person, this type of man, ought to be able to manage his own household well. With all dignity, he ought to keep his children submissive. Uh, what that means in some ways, as we read it in the English, uh, could be interpreted as a man uh, who snaps his fingers and the children uh, settle quietly. Um, I don't think that's the idea. I think what you have is a man who celebrates the fact that his children are children. 
In fact, that uh, in, their, in their flesh, they love to run and play and celebrate, but in their character, they see the godliness in their family and even in their mother and father in such a way that they respect and revere and know to serve the Lord, that they desire those things. Verse five says, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Which is a really good question. And the question then becomes is, if, if a pastor or a shepherd elder is going to be required to stand an account of God for the flock, then he ought to also think about his primary ministry being the ministry at home, which means he ought to lead really well at home, just as he aspires to re- lead really well within the local church. And those are the things that we believe are attributes of this type of leader. Verse six says he shouldn't be a recent convert or that he uh, might be in danger of what? Becoming puffed up with conceit and falling into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders that he might not fall into disgrace or into the snare of the devil. The idea is, is that this man ought to be well respected inside and outside of the church. He ought to have a mark of faithfulness on his life that when you look at his character, you see that this man is not double-minded. He's not, he's not uh, eager to be uh, trapped or ensnared in duplicity. You don't see him one way here and one way here. But when you see his character, you would say he is the same way consistently wherever he goes. And so when we had this thought in mind, we said, okay, well, what's it look like to get some names together and begin potentially contacting them uh, for the purpose of them fulfilling the role of a shepherd elder? Now, you might even ask the question, like, why do we need them? Isn't our church just, I mean, isn't it doing fine the way it is? Like, if you've been here for a decade, you, you've seen uh, and the, the faithfulness of your leaders, and you've gone, hey, man, it's, I think it's going great. Like, why do we need to change anything? And here's what I would say is a, a lot of people don't even know what's required of a shepherd elder. Uh, matter of fact, I oftentimes get the question, like, hey, what do you do during the week? Like outside of like teach, maybe do a funeral or a wedding every now and then. Like what is, what is the role of a pastor? What do y'all do? Um, and here's what I would say. These are the things that pastor, elders, shepherds do. One, we keep watch over souls. Um, that means that if you're a member of this local body, that means that we not only pray for you, uh, not only do we want to encourage you, but we give an account to God for you. Uh, we also, uh, we lead the flock and we care for the church. It means that we make decisions that are on the, the best interest of our church family. Sometimes uh, that relates to business decisions or financial decisions. It could be the purchase of a land or, or presenting the case that we need to expand building use or even build a new facility. All things that have happened in the last decade. But it also means that we care for the church, which means that we meet the needs of those in our church. And we do that through a variety of ways. We can do that through the teaching and the preaching of God's word, which is another uh, aspect. It's feeding the sheep. Um, Caring for the sheep means also not just feeding you, but making sure that your spiritual needs are met, that you're growing, that we are exhorting and admonishing you. Um, Sometimes we have what we would call unruly sheep, okay? Uh, If you're a shepherd, you know how hard it can be to herd a flock, right? Um, All get them to go the same direction. So sometimes you're exhorting, encouraging. Uh, Sometimes you're admonishing, and sometimes that happens. And so that's what we do. We exhort uh, and we admonish the saints in sound doctrine. When we think about that as uh, coming alongside of you and just uh, helping you realize that if you're idle, that you need to get to work. If you're unruly, that you need um, to, to follow suit and, and trust 
uh, God and his leaders. That's what we do. Uh, we protect the church from false teachers. Um, we live in a day and age where not everyone has the best interest uh, of God or the church in mind. And so uh, we want to protect our, our body from people like that. We give biblical counsel. We help resolve conflict. Friends, that's one of the primary things I do in this day and age. Yes, I teach and I preach God's word, but one of the things I do most often is give wise counsel to not only our staff, but to um, dozens of people within our body from week to week. Uh, sometimes I sit down with people and give them wise counsel on uh, their marriage. Sometimes it's financial decisions. Uh, oftentimes I give wise counsel as they work through conflict with somebody that they're serving with or live in community with. But the reality is there's there's people that are involved here. And anytime that there's people, it means that life can be messy. And sometimes you need wisdom on how to navigate that. I do a lot of that. The other thing that I do is help uh, judge doctrinal issues. And what I would say is, as we think about judging doctrinal issues, it means to make sure that our church understands what it is that we believe about God's word, about how to navigate in a society right now that is confused. Um, churches that aren't teaching sound doctrine, we want to refute that. We want to make sure that we do that in grace, with truth, also with a gentle and compelling spirit of love. We want to do those things. And what I would say is this, we've come to a place and time in our season of life where I don't, I don't believe that I'm fulfilling all that God has for me as a leader because I'm in some ways needing some additional help. But not just help to take a couple of burdens and tasks, but help in shepherding me, making sure that I'm all that God desires for me to be. And so as we've studied the idea of elders and shepherds, what we believe is that there's a season in which we need to embark on to add some men to give an account to, this, uh, to God for the account of this flock. And so here's how uh, the process began. Four years ago, we took our staff through it. They give us a list of names, 17 names um, that I contacted. And I, here's what I said. Uh, I said, hey, I'm going to be doing a study uh, on discipleship. It's going to be every Friday morning for the next couple of years at 530 in the morning. Do you think you'd be up for that? 14 said, I think I can be up for that. Um, three declined initially right out of the gate. And of those 17 that I contacted, all names given to us by our current staff um, there were a couple of key components. One, I couldn't put a name on paper. Um, number two, uh, is that as we got names from other people on our staff, um, they had to have these things present. They had to be spiritually fat, okay? Faithful, available, and teachable. Got it? Y'all see the acronym there? So faithfulness means that they had to be faithful to our body already, that you saw they were serving in multiple areas, that they, they were leading journey groups, they were hopping into kids' ministry, student ministry. You just saw a mark of faithfulness in their life that, that marked them in, in lots of ways. They were faithful to their kids and their wife. You just, when you saw these 17 names, you're like, hey, we see a mark of faithfulness in, in them. The second thing is that they had to have an availability. The availability was that they had, you noticed that they already had a margin in their schedule that a lot of men didn't have. They were already hopping in shepherding conversations. So what you would see in these men is that they were getting pulled into other conversations. So it could have been in a regen, they were getting pulled into shepherding conversations, or it could have been in re-engage our marriage ministry, they were getting pulled into conversations. You could have seen them leading small groups of, of young men and, and student ministry, or they were getting pulled into other things. And you just saw not only a mark of faithfulness, but you saw the mark of availability. They had margin to do ministry here that was blessing our body in lots of incredible ways. 
But then you also had the mark of teachability. The, the teachability was you just saw that there was a heart that was willing to say, yeah, hey, teach me. They could be admonished. And uh, even though they were admonished, it was like, hey, instead of uh, being like a snake in a corner, they responded with gentleness. And you would just see that that, that was the kind of men that they were. They were marked by that. They were faithful, available, and teachable. And so we started out in this process, and over the last uh, 18 months, really, we just completed our 19th month, um, here's what they've done. These men have met every Friday morning at 5.30. Uh, they spent at least two hours, usually two and a half hours together before they went to their own place of employment on a Friday morning, and they've studied biblical eldership, uh, what biblical eldership is and what is not. And over the last three weeks, we've given you just a snippet of what it is. It's far more exhaustive than what we've covered. They also covered what the church is. How, how does the church function? What is ministry? Um, what should the church be about? What should it not be about? And then after we completed those two studies, we also took them through a study of over 40 theological topics, ranging from marriage, remarriage, and divorce, the hypostatic union, uh, the idea of uh, being a disp uh, dispensationalist or a covenant theology person. We've talked about eschatology, which is the views of the end times. Are you, um, a, 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 you know, do you believe in the millennial reign? Is it going to be a physical millennial reign? Is Christ going to sit on the throne? Is he not? And, and a variety of other things. We've talked extensively about lots and lots and lots of things because we wanted to see not only the mark of faithfulness and availability and teachability, but we were also looking for a maturity there that could lead God's people um, in a direction that would honor him. And so these four M's had to be present uh, for them to move through the process. And of the 14 that initially got through it, I think there was about eight or nine that made it all the way through. Um, several of them had to drop out over the course of time because of margin or other things. But here are the four marks that needed to be available in men that we believed could help shepherd our church. One, they needed to be a man because when we read about biblical eldership, it's always re revolving around a man. The word he is used over and over and over again. You never see one time a leader in the local church in the role of a shepherd elder as a woman. Now listen real quickly, that doesn't diminish the role of a woman in a local church. But what we would say is this, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, we would say that God has designed a family unit in your house to have a male and a female working together in unity, diversity, serving your family well. That healthy children have fathers and mothers present, but dad is to honor the Lord in the way he leads the family. We believe that the church is a family and it honors God best when a male leads the local church. We would also say this, we do believe that ladies have a significant role in leadership within the local church, but we do not believe that ladies should give an account to God for the local church. And so we just would say, hey, do we celebrate ladies in ministry? Absolutely. We have some fantastic, very brilliant ladies serving here. But we would say those to give an account for God for the local church should be men that are serving God with the qualities and the characteristics that we've shared. They also just have to have a maturity in their walk. They have to, Ephesians 4, walk in a manner in which they've been called. Um, they have to uh, have grown up to, to mature manhood. They have to be solid in their faith. They have to know their Bibles backwards and forwards. They have to have that mark in them. They also need to have marriages that reflect the gospel, that they have to have marriages in which a husband loves his wife as Christ loved the local church, Ephesians 5. That's what we wanted to see present in these men. 
And then they had to have the margin to serve, which meant in order for them to help lead this body, it meant they had to have the flexibility that very few men have. And that is that they could jump into conversations day and night, that in a moment's notice that they could could help shepherd and serve um, marriages in trouble, um, potentially families that are calling upon people uh, to pray over them, uh, people that are in the hospital, etc., a variety of other things. Those are the qualities that we believed that needed to possess. And so that's where we have walked through the process. And here in just a second, what I want to do is I want to bring up a group of men who uh, have helped shape and, and even be a part of this process. And some of them believed as we got going that, hey, potentially I could be one of the elders or the leaders of the local church. But I would tell you this, regardless of where we landed, it is these men and the character and the hard work of these men that are presenting to you the men that they believe should go forward here as shepherd elders of the local church. Even I, at this point, have stepped out of the way and will here in just a second. And I'm subjecting myself to other men who will recommend to our body where we go. And the reason this needs to happen is because, friends, I will not be here forever. Even though I was the church planter, even though I've led for the last decade, the reality is I won't be here forever. But one of the things that should be true is that this place ought to be healthy forever. It's not perfect, but we serve a perfect God and we have a perfect mission. And that ought to stay in place regardless of who's teaching or preaching from the stage. And that's why we've done the hard work of heart work in order to make this thing hopefully healthy for years and years and years to come. And so with that, I want to encourage you guys to come up on stage. Those that are here this morning that have walked, not all of them are here today of the 14, but I think there's quite a few that are present. And so I encourage them to come up. And so as they're coming, you've got uh, Dick Patterson and Cody King. Uh, when we initially started, we, we were asking the question, hey, could they currently be on staff and be a shepherd elder here? Uh, we've got Edward Barrett, Charlie McMath, Mark Lumsden, Mark Bachtel. Uh, we've got Cody Wampler, Mike Laughlin. Uh, we've got Rusty Rankin. We've got Hugh Carnes. All guys who uh, over the last year and a half have been put through the ringer um, and this last week, uh, they sat in a room uh, for, for most of them, um, many, many consecutive weeks, and have got us to the place that we are. And so with that, I'm going to hand it over to Dick Patterson, who's our Edgewood campus pastor, and he'll update you even where we are and what these men recommend. All right. Good morning, everyone. For all of you that uh, do not know me, I am Dick Patterson. I'm currently in Edgewood. And uh, I have had the honor and the privilege to be here from the beginning when the foyer was the kids' room, <laughs> okay? Uh, and it has been quite a ride, and it has uh, had difficult times, and it has had good times. But uh, we are at a point in the church, I have fulfilled this role we were talking about, there we go, for 10 years, and uh it is time for me to step out of that role and just focus on my other duties. I'm not going anywhere. Brandon's not going anywhere. But it is just time that we, uh, as looking towards the future, we make us a little more healthy. Because every day is a gift from God. And we could walk out the door today and get in our vehicle and never see any of you again. I don't think that's going to happen, but we need to make sure that the church 
is prepared for that to happen. And for any of you that know me, and you know how I got here, if for some reason during the song God tells me I need to go somewhere else, I'm going to go. And, and, and I'm lucky and blessed enough to have that, that flexibility in my life. Because Romans 12 says to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is your spiritual act of worship. And that is our goal for all of us, okay? But it's my privilege this morning to point to you the three men that this group of men have, uh, and the Lord have decided we need to, to put in the position of elder, shepherd, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the first being Brandon Bachtel, if you'll step forward there, Brandon. The second being Edward Barrett, if you will step up. And the third being Charlie McMath, if you will step up. We believe that these are the three men God has laid out to lead our church for the next 10, 20, whatever. There's no term limit. There may be a time that we add to this group, or there may be a time that one of these men have to step down. But at this point in the life of our church, we believe these are the three men. And at this point, I'm going to turn this mic over to Cody, and he's going to get a little better explanation. So I get to, um, to give a few clarifications on what this looks like going forward. Um, so we've got a clear picture of how we got here with these men. Uh, but from this point, as we appoint these men, um, uh, I want to just kind of clear up some questions that may linger. Um, one is that we're going to give opportunity for the next, did you say 21 days? No. So, um, so for the next 21 days, we want um, to hear from you. As we've met for 18 plus months and gone through this process that you just heard about, um, we want to present these men to you as the body, but for the next 21 days, for you, the body, if there's something that, um, that you know of about these men, we want to hear about it. Uh, we want you to share that with us. And I jumped ahead, didn't I? Dick will share more about that here in just a second. <clears throat> Short-term memory loss from the first service. So the clarification that I do uh, need to give now is, is around these men that um, in 1 Timothy 5, um, 17, we read that um, Paul tells Timothy to let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. So from the scripture, we see, Tim, we see Paul telling Timothy that there are going to be elders who rule well, but there are going to be those who labor in preaching and teaching, right? so, that, so that then they would be worthy of double honor. In this context, we believe that to be Brandon. As paid staff, as senior pastor, he oversees um, our staff, he will continue to lead our staff in the facilitation of ministries here, uh, but he's going to continue in his role as primary preacher and teacher. Though these other men, uh, Edward and Charlie, are able to teach, the function of that for them will look a little different. So Brandon, as paid staff, is that that we would consider worthy of double honor. Uh, not to lessen anything that Charlie and Edward will do, just that gifting will be different. Uh, so we bring them on, as Brandon said earlier, not just to free him up from other things. He will continue to lead as he does, uh, but these men will help him. They will partner along with him 
in the overall leadership of our church, not just the staff, not just uh, certain ministries. Um, so in that partnering, we will continue to see Brandon um, often. And though you see him often preaching and teaching, um, leading our staff, he will be one of three men that oversee the leadership and direction of our church. And then between these three men, there are some things that will be present. Uh, one will be unity. Uh, they will be unified in their purpose and vision. Um, and that's from uh, where we are, where we would go, any issues or things that arise along the way. Uh, these three men will be unified in how we move on that. They're not a voting body. Um, they're not a board. Um, they will not uh, cast votes where a majority would rule on how the church will move forward. They will be 100% in unity in any decision that is before them to make as the Lord leads them. And then the second thing is uh, equality, is they will be equal in authority, equal in responsibility, equal in their accounting that they give to the Lord for the body. But in this, I, under this idea of equality, there's something that I want to clarify that can be misunderstood as it pertains to biblical eldership. And this is an aspect called first among equals. And this idea of first among equals is that though these three men, they are equal, there is a first among equals in that. And in this particular sense, it will be branded. But there's a biblical precedent that I would like to share to help clear up this. And I think for all of us, it will give us a good picture. But if we look at the gospels, and we look at Jesus calling 12 men to be his disciples, you see from those 12 men, um, first ones among those equals. You see often Peter, James, and John being the closest to Jesus throughout his ministry. But of those three men, you see Peter stand out as more prominent than those three. So you see a first among equals in Peter, those three, and the 12. You see a first ones among equals in those three out of the 12. You get the picture? So... Um, through the Gospels, if you look, most often Peter is the one that's prominent. Every list of the disciples, Peter, is listed first. In the, um, in the Acts, you can read the first 12 Acts can often be called the Acts of Peter. Then the following chapter is the Acts of Paul. But you see Peter as the prominent figure, but not because he was, had authority over the other apostles. They did not submit to him. Uh, he was not their senior pastor. They were all equal in authority and responsibility, but they had different giftedness. And that brings me to the next thing, is there is going to be a diversity among them. Is that each one of them has different gifts that the, that the Lord has given them um, and different roles as they function together leading our body. And Brandon is gifted in teaching and preaching. We've seen that, but as we go, you will learn Edward has certain giftings. Charlie has certain giftings. He's probably one of the most humble men I've ever met in my life. Uh, and I look forward to you being able to get to know him in that way. But there is a diversity among these men as they are both equal, they're equal and unified. And then lastly, there's order. Um, there's order amongst them that, that they mutually submit to one another. Um, I, want it to, I want it to be clear. Each one of us want it to be very clear that, that Brandon is... As senior pastor, his role does not change in the way he leads our staff, but he is not over these men. He is equal with these men, and they mutually submit to one another. They are accountable to one another. As he said, these men are going to help hold him accountable to things in confession and repentance and all of those things that we want every member of the body to be doing. But Ephesians 5.21, Paul tells 
the church, he says that we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you are a Christ follower, that's Paul's charge and the Lord's charge to each one of us. We submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. And it is so for the eldership and the leadership of a church that they would submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and set the example before us as a church body to submit ourselves then to them as the leaders of our church. Um, so those four things will always be present here is unity, equality, diversity, and order uh, between these men as they lead. All right. And with all that being said, uh, it was a beautiful thing Friday morning. There was 12 men in a room, and uh, after some discussions and some questions answered, uh, we went around the room and said, hey, do you have, a, have anything to say? Or do you believe this is where God wants to take us? And 100% of the men in the room said, yes, this is where God's taking us. So we have done our due diligence. We have, we have sat with the wives. We have asked questions out in the, in the community. But we believe that we should ask our church body to take the next three weeks and pray for us and pray for our church. And if there is anyone in here that knows something that we do not know about these three men, Brandon, Charlie, and Edward. We would ask you to come to us, but we are going to do all this in a biblical manner, okay? We will not take a communication card with a bunch of stuff written on it and no name, okay? 1 Timothy 5.19, it says, Do not omit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. This doesn't mean that you and somebody up here had a disagreement, so you want to bring that to us. We're talking about character issues. We're talking about sin in their life that we missed. And we don't think we missed anything, but we believe you should have the privilege to uh, pray about it and bring it to us. But understand, we're going to do this in a biblical way. If uh, you bring it to us, okay, we're going to have a sit-down conversation Okay, your charge cannot be anonymous. If you bring it, then you need to go to your brother, whoever it's against first, because that's what Matthew 18 tells us. It says if you have something against a brother, then you go to him, and you point out the sin in his life. And if he says, no, that ain't sin in my life, then you go get two or three more. And that two or three more is going to be us. And we're going to sit down, and we're going to talk through it. Okay? So please, please. I beg you, okay? We don't want any letters with no names. Please, if you have a problem, it is your duty as a brother and sister in Christ to sit down at a table and talk that problem out. Because the ultimate thing we want out of any charges is reconciliation. So please, we beg for your help. We beg for your prayers, okay? These men will stand before God accountable for your souls and for mine. And that is a big undertaking if you take it to heart. It has been many days and many nights of crying, of prayers. There's been crying in a room full of men. There's been apologies. There's been forgiveness given and accepted. 
It has, we have done our due diligence, but we want your help now. For the next 21 days, we ask that you would pray for us, pray for these men, and come to us if you know of a problem that we did not find. And we will sit down, and we will talk it out, and we will see where we go from here. So, with that said, in 21 days, we're coming back, okay? And we're going to appoint these three men as elders, Lord willing, okay? Because at the end, all of this is the Lord's work. And men, I want to tell you something. Same thing I told these men that are up here that aren't going to be elders right now. If we call ourselves a man of God, then we should strive to be elders. Doesn't mean we'll ever be elders, but we should strive towards that because we are called to be Christ-like in everything we do. Okay? What happens at the fire station doesn't stay at the fire station. What happens at work doesn't stay at work. The last thing you want is to be at work and one of the secretaries hear you mention church and her stop and look at you and go, you go to church? I never saw that coming. And I got a good friend that happened to. He called himself a Christian, but he didn't live it out unless he was sitting in a chair. So with that all said, I'm going to hand the microphone back to Cody. And I'll wrap us up and we'll close. Uh, but in a practical sense, um, not much will change. Um, the ch as a church body, you won't see a big change in this. Uh, Brandon will still lead our staff. Um, our staff will still oversee ministries as we continue to do. Um, bringing these men on wasn't purposeful to just free him up. If anything, uh, anything that frees me up, it's freed Dick up to do some things other than be responsible for and make decisions that they will now make. So not a whole lot will change in that. But as Dick just said, we do know that there are men here. I said it two weeks ago. I firmly believe there are other men in our body that are qualified to be elders. And if you feel that over the last three weeks, if we've talked through this and if you've taken account of where you're at in your life and you feel as if you may aspire to be an elder, as Dick said, uh, let us know that. We want to have a conversation on what that is. We didn't, it wasn't by our design that we landed with these three men. As we walked through this, 12 men ended up in a room and 12 men prayed, sought the Lord, and unanimously agreed on three men. Of those three men, we unanimously agreed that one of them would be the first among equals. In that, I see the biblical precedent played out right before us, and that was not by our design. So over the future, that number may change as things change here. So if you aspire to that, if you feel you're qualified for that, not in a boastful or arrogant way, but please let us know along the way as we move forward. But know if that is where your heart lies and the Lord is leading you in that way, there will be work to be done. There will be 18 months worth of work and a process of approval, not for just your sake, not for our sake, so we can say you're good, but for the church's sake, to know that you're good, uh, it's the same process. But along the way, we want to know how the Lord may be leading you in that. So we love you, church. I know this was a lot of information this morning, but I personally could not be more excited about where the Lord has brought us and where he's taken us to from this point um, in the position that he's put us in. 
Uh, so I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing one more song and, again, praise the Lord uh, before we head out. Uh, Lord, I thank you for this morning. Um, Lord, I thank you for your church. Lord, I thank you for, um, for calling us out of darkness and into your wonderful light, Lord, to setting us apart, Lord, from the darkness of this world, Lord, and setting this still in the midst of it, Lord, so that we may be a light in it. And Lord, as we talk about three men to become elders and overseers and shepherds of the flock, to give an accountable to the Lord for our souls, Lord, and, and, and the weight of that, Lord, I pray, Lord, for those men, but also pray for the body, Lord. I pray for the individual that's here this morning, that for all intents and purposes and, and the entirety of your word, your instruction for that individual this morning is exactly the same as what we just talked about for these three men here, Lord. Though function and role within the body is different, Lord, the responsibility is still there for our own souls and the souls of others around us, Lord. And I pray from this point forward, Lord, as a church, as we walk in this way, Lord, to seek to honor you, that we may see a health in our church body that we haven't seen in 10 years. Even through the goodness that you've brought us through, Lord, to the point we are now, Lord, and the place that you are taking us, Lord, that we would see a continual growing goodness in ourselves because of the never-changing goodness that is in you. Lord, we love you, Lord, and we thank you. And I pray that we, we honor you, Lord, daily, moment by moment with our lives, Lord. That we're humbly seeking others, Lord, humbly seeking you, humbly confessing our failures, Lord, and repenting of those things, Lord, because your word promises that if we confess our sins to you, you are faithful to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, Lord, to be clean one day to the next. Lord, for your glory and our good, Lord, we love you and we thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.